Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the Premier Radio Networks, including 130, actually I think it's more like 140. We actually have a New York station. Well, it's in West Brunswick, New Jersey, but it's close! 130 plus stations in the U.S. and Canada, and XM Channel 158. Uh, this show originally aired on Saturday, April 2nd, 2011. It's episode 757. Enjoy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And it's time to talk about tech. Computers and the internet, of course. But we're not a computer show. You know, for years, these kinds of shows, these tech talk shows, were really computer shows. I know when I started doing this, I've been doing radio for uh, 30, it'll be 35 years. Ooh, that's kind of a good anniversary in December. But of the last uh, almost 20 years, last 19 years, it's been computers and tech all the time, both on, the, on radio and TV. And when I started doing uh, tech talk in 1991, it really was. I mean, in 91, think about it. What was it? It was computers. It wasn't even the Internet. The World Wide Web had only been invented a couple of years earlier. It wasn't widely used. It was, uh, it was kind of uh, uh, the province of academics universities and research institutions. If you knew about the internet, you were one of the elite and you weren't using a browser. You were using weird tools like Gopher, Archie, and Veronica. <laughs> That's what they called it. Gopher was like a, a menu system. There was a browser, uh, an early browser. It was called Lynx. Still's around, L-Y-N-X. It was text only. Text browser. So in 91, I mean, we were talking about Windows 3.0, DOS 5, Macintosh, of course, but it wasn't, Macintosh was a toy computer at that time, or considered by many to be a toy computer. I was an early adopter and loved it, but uh, go ahead and try to convince a business to use a Macintosh in 1991. They'd laugh at you. Then in 94, I think uh, the, you know, that's when uh, Mosaic and uh, Netscape came out. Mo Mosaic came out maybe a year earlier. It, it was a university project, and the creator uh, of Mosaic, one of the creators, Mark Andreessen, started a company called Netscape. And I think it was Mosaic and Netscape were the first, first things we saw that were the, it, where there was something called the Internet. You remember the uh, <laughs> O'Reilly sold something called Internet in a Box? It was a big box, too. <laughs> it was, And then remember, this was because it was pre-internet. You had to buy software on a disc. And it came, I don't remember if it was a CD or floppies. It's probably floppy disks. It came with a browser, Mosaic. And it had to have some tools because Windows at the time didn't really uh, know about the internet. So you needed a uh, something called a, a windsock. I think it came with trumpet. Remember trumpet windsock? Only, you probably only do if you're an old-timer. Although, think about it. 1991 was only 20 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. But old-timers remember Trumpet Windshock. Uh, he's still around. I, 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 don't, you know, I, don't know, uh, I don't know what he's doing these days. He's, nobody needs to buy a Windsock ever since probably Windows 
Well, certainly since Windows 95, Windows has had a the ability to get on the Internet. I remember we also we also would spend a lot of time in the early uh, days, in the mid-90s, telling people how to turn their Internet connection into the kind of connection you could use a browser with. When you got an Internet connection in those days, you got a slip or PPP connection. It didn't, didn't, well, no, actually PPP would give you a browser capability, wouldn't it? I can't remember. But you had to use uh, TIA, the Internet Adapter. Remember TIA? To turn, I spent a lot of time on the shows in those days explaining what is TIA, how to use it, and how to get, you know, Mosaic working on your computer so you could browse this new thing called the World Wide Web. You know, the web is different from the Internet. Nowadays, I think we probably don't make that distinction. But the Internet predates the World Wide Web. The Internet included things like Gopher, Veronica, Archie, uh, news groups, which actually technically really aren't even part of the Internet, those discussion groups. Um, What else was on the Internet in those days? There was email, sure. Although in the... (laughs) This also seems strange. In those days, you couldn't email people on different systems. So if you had email, you got email. A lot of us got email through CompuServe or Genie. Or maybe maybe you used uh, something called MCI mail. That's what the business people used. But if you were on MCI mail, you couldn't email anybody else except MCI mail users. You didn't have internet-wide email. It's kind of like the days, I guess it's still true somewhat, uh, when you had a, um, a, a early days of IM, instant messaging, where if you, weren't on, if you weren't on the same instant messenger, you couldn't talk to each other. I guess it's still the same way, except that now we have instant messaging clients that go cross-platform. And of course, we have more dominant companies like Facebook. And I bet you there's a whole generation of people who think the internet is Facebook. That's it. It's Facebook. What else do you, you can do other things? No, it's Facebook. That's the internet. It's funny. To, it's really fascinating, I think, to watch how this has changed so fast. Uh, Wednesday, I interviewed a, a really interesting fellow, Ray Kurzweil. I should, I should play some segments of that, except it was so uh, uh, esoteric that it might, not, it, might, it might be a little confusing to some people. But it, it, he is a, a brilliant scientist and inventor an expert in artificial intelligence. He created the first uh, text-to-speech programs. In fact, Stevie Wonder fell in love with his text because, you know, Stevie was this, I can I can read text and it will talk to me now. So Stevie thought this was the greatest thing, the Kurzweil speech synthesizers. Ray got to know Stevie, then designed a, a synthesizer, the Kurzweil synthesizers. They're still around for Stevie. He's done many, many other fascinating things, but his, you know, his latest thing, and I, I say that, kind of tongue-in-cheek, because he started writing about this in the mid-'80s, is talking about the rapid advance of computer technology. So rapid, he said, that we don't really understand or get it. He said, humans, you know, the way our brain is designed is to think linearly. This happens, then this happens, then this happens. It's because, you know, when you're a caveman and you see a tiger in the distance, you have to plan (laughs) linearly. The problem, he says, is that the technology is advancing exponentially it's doubling every year so we can't we 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 see it linearly we say oh yeah well the, you know the wright brothers invented the airplane and then the, the, then the jet plane and then the television and it was invented and then uh, 
the internet was invented. It all seems like this linear thing. He said, but if you really look at the pace of invention, it is much faster than that. It is not one plus one. It is one doubled and doubled and doubled and doubled. And uh, the difference is, in, you know, in, if, you, if you do things arithmetically in five years, it's just 10 times better. If you do it logarithmically in, uh, in five years, it's two to the fifth better, whatever that is. 16,000 better or something. So it really, it really is something we can't perceive, but is happening. And his, uh, his uh, observation is that what's happening so fast that in the next 20 years, computers will be uh, so smart, so fast, that they'll effectively be uh, indistinguishable from human beings. Look at Watson. I mean, admittedly, we knew Watson was a computer when he played Jeopardy. Nevertheless, a huge step forward. He says, we're just a few decades away from that. The singularity is what he calls it. And he says it's a singularity because you can't predict what's going to happen on the other side. So 20 years ago, I was talking about how to get on this newfangled thing called the Internet. Today, we're talking about Twitter and Facebook. Who knows in 20 years from now? I hope I'm still doing this show. Actually, it might not be me. It might be the Leo bot. But it will be indistinguishable for me, and that's the beauty of it. Here's my phone number if you want to, <laughs> you want to talk about that. 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827-5536. That's toll-free from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Actually, no, I guess just the U.S. If you're in Canada or outside North America, you can still call me. Just use uh, Skype out. And because it's a toll-free number you're calling, it won't cost you anything. So you download the free Skype client and you dial plus 1-888-827-5536. And I'd love to hear from you. We have a website. You could follow along on the website, too, techguylabs.com. See a link there for the chat room? Come on and visit us in the chat room. I'm watching it during the show. We'll get to the phones next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888-ASK-LEO. Did you survive all those weird April Fool's jokes? Somebody somebody tweeted, April Fool's Day, the day when people who aren't funny get to pretend that they are. I, you know, it's a little, it's hard for me uh, because, of course, I'm, I'm always scanning uh, tech news for stories so I could talk about them on the show and well, April Fool's Day, it's like, well, is that a real story or not? I can never I can I can never tell. It's always you know, well, I'm I don't know, is that real? Did that I don't, some things I knew. For instance, if you go to google.com, I don't know if you could still do that today. Let's see. No, it's gone. They had a very funny uh google.com had a very funny thing on their front page called uh what was it Gmail gestures or Gmail motion? What was that called? It was very funny. Uh, where yeah, motion. So maybe maybe if I go to gmail.com slash motion, it'll still be there. They have, if you know the URLs, all of their previous April Fool's jokes, and there have been quite a few. Yeah, google.com slash motion works. A new way to communicate. The mouse and keyboard were invented before the internet even existed. True. Keyboard was invented even before computers existed. <laughs> Seriously, we're using the 
keyboard that was invented in the in the 19th century we still use today. The mouse was invented in the uh, 60s. Since then, countless technological advancements have allowed for much more efficient human-computer interaction. Why then do we continue to use outdated technology introducing Gmail Motion? Now you can control Gmail with your body. You know, it's this is a good April Fool's joke because it's right on the edge of plausible. Because of you know you know with the Microsoft Connect nowadays we can't of course uh, gesture to our games. Just a matter of time. I love the um, the diagrams they've got, and then they've got this. <laughs> I guess he's a he looks like a Google engineer. He's wearing a white shirt and a skinny black tie, very IBM, and he looks like Pat Paulson. And he he's doing the gestures, and he looks he's so serious and deadpan. You know, a thumb over the shoulder to reply, two thumbs over two shoulders to reply to all. You want to mail it? You lick your fingers and you stamp your knee. <laughs> oh, at what point? Now, if you fell for this, at what point? At what point did you realize? Oh, they're joking. Was it when they interviewed Dennis Tooley of the California Center for Kinetics and Physiology? <laughs> Uh, or the or the movement specialist Lorraine Clayman, environmental movement specialist at from Nevada Polytechnic. At what point did you did you realize there were so many uh, April Fool's jokes? I think one of my favorites was from Think Geek. Think Geek uh, does an April Fool's product every year. In the past, some of these products have been so great that they've actually been made. There was a, uh, if you if you go to their, their April Fool's uh, page, you can see all their April Fool's stuff. Things like Angry Birds pork rinds. But my favorite was the Playmobil Apple Store playset. Again, so close to plausible that you're not sure when you read it if it's an April Fool's joke. Awesome, mini Apple Store tugs at your wallet. Stylish technology nuggets made by Apple. We just can't seem to get enough. From iPod to MacBook to iPhone to iPad, even if we laugh our way through the announcement thinking we'll never buy an overgrown iPhone, it happens again. So when we spotted this amazing Apple Store play set from Playmobil, we were admittedly in a bit of a conundrum. It comes with little mini iPads and iPhones, a little mini Steve Jobs up up in the keynote theater, and the keynote theater is designed so you can slip your iPhone into the screen and actually use keynote presentations that you can download from the Playmobil site. There's even a little Steve Wozniak riding around on a Segway. Boy, they do a good job of this. This is, of course, phony. Although I did get an email from a number of people. I got emails saying, oh, can you believe what Apple has done now? They've got a Playmobil Apple store. It's a joke, folks. <laughs> it's a joke. But Think Geek does such a good job with their jokes. They really put a lot of effort into it. I would buy the, actually, the uh, Angry Birds pork rinds. I would. If they were real, I would buy those. They come in colors, like the Angry Birds themselves. <laughs> and you feel like a bad pig when you eat them. <laughs> Steve in Nashville, Tennessee, your first Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Steve. Hey, Leo. Long time, long time since we talked. 2002 was on your show on Tech TV there. And oh, that's great. Wolf FM guy. How you doing? Oh, yeah, Wolf FM. How's things going? 
Well, we had a fire last year and lost the station, and the process of rebuilding should be on in the next month or so. Oh, boy, do I know about that. Wolf FM was one of the very early Internet radio stations, as I remember. That's right. And May 22nd of last year, we had a battery backup short out and explode. Oh, dear. House down. <laughs> oh, dear. That's horrible. I'm looking at wolffm.com, and there's pictures. Well, I'm, And it's taken you a year to rebuild, huh? I didn't get back into the house till last fall. Studio's in the basement, oh. and it, it gutted everything. I almost died in it. My seeing eye dog saved me. She got oh, me. Steve. Oh, dear. Well, thank God you're okay. So we're, we're getting ready to get back on and, and rebuilding better than ever. So I enjoyed your interview with Bob Heil. And yeah, we were talking about microphones. Boy, is he a character. I love him. Oh, he's... Well, may, you know, let's, let's see if we can help you out. This is terrible. And get you back on the air. If there's anything you need, you let me know. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, we're... I wish you'd I wish you'd called me when this happened. I would have loved to. Uh, well, I was down. in the hospital for several days, and then when I got oh, out, Steve. I was in a hotel, and then a temporary. Oh, it was crazy. So. Oh, I'm so sorry. Look at that. Oh my. Wolffm.com. If you want to know more, and uh, so you think you'll get up uh, back online soon, huh? Next month, yeah, and within the next month, we'll be ready to go. The state, the studio part is done. The yeah. Uh, encoder machines, automation's all done, and. The website's just about done. We'll be bringing that live the day we come back on. So, And I'm sure your service dog is getting a nice T-bone steak every once in a while. Oh, she earned herself a porterhouse. And... <laughs> Got it. That's an awesome dog that saved your life. That's amazing. What a great story. She she woke me up very insistent wow. to come to the fumes and didn't know it. So, <gasps> Wait, what I wanted oh. to ask you, I heard your, your talk earlier about the early days of the Internet. You remember those well, Steve, I know. Oh, yeah. I started that station with one computer running Windows 95 and a cable modem. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was wow. a 33 megahertz MMX processor. Anybody remember that? Oh, yeah. Sure. MMX. Faster than that now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's true. I remember the first Pentium, the first Pentium, the 90 megahertz Pentium, and we were all going crazy at 90 megahertz. Nice. What are we going to do with all that power? Power, absolutely, absolutely. What was, when did you get your first Windows computer? Um, I did not. My first Windows was Windows 3.0. I didn't try Windows 1. <laughs> I've played with it. Yeah, and, uh, and but Windows 3.0, I remember coming out around 1990. I'll tell you when I had a little epiphany. I, was a, I bought a Mac in 1984, and I really liked graphical user interfaces. I liked a mouse. I liked win, windowing. Hey, hang on, Steve. I'd love to talk more about this with you. And also coming up, we're going to talk home theater with Scott Wilkinson. Steve Wolf on the line from Nashville, Tennessee. Hang on, Steve. We'll be with you in a second. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. portion of the Tech Eye Show brought to you by Angry Birds Pork Rinds. No, no. It's by, brought to you by my internet service provider, 
DSL Extreme for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866, the number two. Get net. Kyle is, has surpassed himself. I don't know where you got the Angry Birds theme. I guess you probably could buy it on iTunes, can't you? Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> He's going to expense that one. Yeah, that's fine. Here's 99 cents. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. We'll get back to Steve in just a bit from uh, Wolf FM. Uh, we were talking about the good old days. but uh, uh, Normally, we don't have Scott Wilkinson on Saturdays, but Scott's got a concert coming up. Right, Scott? What's, what's going on? That's right. Yeah, tomorrow morning I have uh we're doing what's called a model Seder. You know the Passover's coming up. Yep. In a couple of weeks and uh so one might think, well why are you doing a Seder now? Well, uh the organization I belong to, the Shalom community, does what's called a model Seder. So say you're interested in doing a Seder, which is the ritual uh meal associated with Passover. And uh, it's got a lot of singing, and you read through a book that talks about the story of Passover and so on. <clears throat> so say you want to do that, but you've never done one before. How do you learn what it's about, how to do it? Well, you come to the Sholem Model Seder. What a good idea. Uh, a couple of weeks ahead of time, and you go through it, and there's like two or 300 people there. Uh, so it's a, quite a big deal, and there's lots of music, uh, which uh, I'm involved in, of course, as, as usual. I'll be playing tuba. <laughs> and uh, singing and a little bit of soprano recorder tweedling along with uh, one of the songs. And um, so uh, so we're doing that tomorrow at uh, Culver City Middle School. Anybody who might be in L.A. and interested in a model Seder can go to sholem.org, S-H-O-L-E-M.org, and uh, find out where and when it is tomorrow and hope to see some of you there. It's, uh, it's really a lot of fun, great food. If you, if you like Jewish food, Great chicken soup, great matzo ball Ooh, yeah. soup. Dr. Mom has invited me to Long Island for her Seder, but I don't know. I, I might fly out just for her matzo ball soup. She says she makes the best in the world. We're having a little matzo ball soup off here at the, at the Tech Guy <laughs> Labs. <laughs> I should come up for that because I, I love a good matzo ball Who soup. Who doesn't? Who sure, doesn't? Yeah, ex- yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you could be on today. So, again, normally Scott's on this time uh, on Sundays, but, uh, you know, the Saturday, you have listeners. Love to hear from you, too. Scott's the editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine at ultimateavmag.com. He also is a columnist for Home Theater Magazine. He's our home theater expert. In fact, Scott, you're going to be, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be at uh, the National Association of Broadcasters show, the NAB yep. show in Vegas. Uh, and and that's a fun show to go to. Not because there's home theater stuff so much there, but there's you go anyway, don't you? There's microphones and there's audio systems and all sorts Well, there's of all stuff. kinds of great stuff, and I'm really happy to be going with the Twit crew this year and, and covering the show uh, with you. In particular, my there's really one question that I'm going to be asking everybody we interview, and I've got several people lined up for the stage, and I've got um, three booths lined up for Home Theater Geeks on Monday where you and I oh, are yeah. going to actually walking around we'll do we do a scott does a podcast on uh, my twit network my podcast network called home theater geeks and uh we're going to do that uh, on uh, tuesday monday monday yep we're gonna we're gonna go to the panasonic jvc and sony booths and the question that i'm going to ask them and the people who we interview on the stage on tuesday and wednesday is how is the consumer experience impacted and in particular improved by what we're seeing at NAB. Ah, I love that. NAB, of course, is for broadcasters, is for professionals. And so there are a lot of things that we're not going to be interested in, like, uh, you know, workflow management software and, uh, 
you know, video switchers for for large, uh, large facilities. Uh, but really, the question that I want to ask for, for our audience, which are primarily consumers, is how how are we going to get a better experience as consumers from what you you guys are putting together here and showing us at the show? I look forward to that. So it's really going to be great. In fact, at Panasonic, we're going to be talking with um, the chief technical officer of Panasonic US, the mm. entire Panasonic US. And he's a very articulate guy. And uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, Sony and JVC also are going to be very interesting. I've got some uh, somebody from Dolby and somebody from DTS coming to the stage on Tuesday or Wednesday, as well as a couple other people. So uh, we're going to have some interesting, interesting discussions. Look forward to it. I do, too. That's a week from Monday. Uh, uh, correct. On live.twit.tv, or you could subscribe to the podcast. In fact, he does, Scott's going to do this podcast every Monday, so you'll have somebody tomorrow, in fact. In fact, I want to mention that. Uh, the guy's name is Eric Adol. He's a sound designer and sound supervisor on a lot of major movies. Oh, neat. Uh, Kung Fu Panda, Megamind, um, iRobot. Uh, Transformers. He's the guy that does all the weird sounds that that you hear on these movies, and he's a very interesting guy. I met him a few weeks ago at Dolby. They did a a presentation about Megamind, this movie, uh, animated movie, one of the few that was uh, uh, conceived from start to finish the soundtrack in seven point one surround. Most movies are still in five point one. And, oh, you mean even in the, the even theatrical releases? Yep, yep, yep. Oh. And only only now are movies starting to actually be made from start to finish with the idea of seven point one surround. Uh, Toy Story three was the first one, which wasn't really all that long ago. No. Um, <clears throat> of course, it requires movie theaters to install back surround speakers, which not all of them do. So that's some I expense see. to them. Well, I always thought that there was a surround. Seven seven one surround. I didn't realize nope. it was only five one. Five point one. So when I get seven one in my home, what source materials would I be using? Well, this is an excellent question, uh, and in fact, uh, one uh, reader asked me the same question uh, a week or two ago. There aren't very many now. There's a lot of Blu-rays that have seven point one soundtrack. They'll say, "Oh, we've got a seven point one soundtrack." Well, yes, they do. However, they they when they made the Blu-ray, they took the five point one soundtrack and derived or synthesized uh, the back surround channels. And they do Those that are, programmatically. There's not a human sitting there saying, okay, put that sound in the back, or is that? No, no, no. Generally speaking, it's um, it's more of a what's called a matrixing or a um, uh, the, the, the actual technology is a little complicated. But, but it's not in, done in, by a human. Not generally. Yeah. Although I suppose there's a human overseeing the Right. If it process. sounds really awful, they can. Yeah, exactly. It. Exactly. But there is a, a way of just sort of managing to put some of the stuff back in the back. Uh, so it's it's synthesized, though. It's, it's artificial. Huh. But with Toy Story 3 and Megamind, and I think there are mm, something like 10 Blu-rays on the market. That's what Eric said anyway, uh, that have actual, discrete, real, honest to goodness, 7.1 soundtracks. And these are the ones you want to use. The the, the reader that uh, I answered the question said, uh, "What's a, what's a good Blu-ray to demonstrate my 7.1 system?" Um, and which is one thing that th those of us who are way into home theater like to do. We like to demonstrate our system yeah. to people, bring them in, and say, "Hey, check this out!" And they, they all go, "Wow!" You know. So um, 
this is what, what my column on Ultimate AV is about called uh, Ultimate Demo. It's actually not my column. It's written by David Vaughn, uh, who, was in my, who was in the studio the Saturday that I was subbing for you. And he was great help in, in answering questions and stuff. He writes this column called Ultimate Demos, where he gives you specific scenes, you know, at, at uh, time code uh, 23 minutes and 53 seconds. Oh, that's so silly. Listen for, <laughs> listen for this. Listen for this. You, you know, you've got a specific thing going on that's really a cool demo. As somebody with a 2.0 sound system, <laughs> I have nothing to demo. I just watch movies on my system, and it's well, fine. And it's totally fine. It's if, fine. What, if that's what you got, then that's absolutely fine. Scott Wilkinson, he's the editor-in-chief of the Ultimate AV Magazine. Tune in, tune in the Home Theater Geeks tomorrow, 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern at live.twit.tv. Or you could subscribe, and as you can tell, you might want to get this show automatically. Just go to twit.twit.tv slash htg for subscription information. Scott, we'll talk again next week, and have a great Seder tomorrow. Thank you so much. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. We'll get back to Steve Wolf right after this. Sing it, Randy. Hate to interrupt, Randy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. You got a geek in me. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number if you have a question, a comment, or suggestion. Love to hear from you. Scott uh, Wilkinson uh, was reminding me that there are other Think Geek. We were talking about April Fool's jokes from Think Geek. I mentioned the Angry Birds pork rinds. Uh, I also mentioned the Apple store from Playmobil, which I kind of thought was fun. But there were some other ones, including D3D glasses, which I think I would buy if they weren't phony. They remove the 3D from 3D movies, making them nice, soothing, relaxing 2D. (laughs) That's what I need. They also have lightsaber popsicles, which I think, again, they could probably sell. And the original shirt plate, you can, it's, a, it's a T-shirt with a plate built in so you can lie on your back and eat your Cheetos while, while you play the game. Thinkgeek.com. Don't try to buy this stuff. The, uh, although, again, edible gummy iPhone cases, those would be good. Those would be, those would be tasty. D3D glasses eliminate the 3D effect from 3D movies, allowing you to watch in the comfort of 2D. Experience the best of cinema with none of the motion sickness, headaches, or nausea. Your friends will thank you. <laughs> I'd buy them. Steve, thanks for your patience. You're, you're a good, uh, good friend. Wolf FM, his studio getting back online soon. We're really uh, glad to hear that. What kind of music you play, Steve? Uh, 70s, 80s, uh, currents mixed in. Oh, the That's real stuff. That's pretty much the format. Heavy emphasis the good, on the 80s. Absolutely. The good stuff. <laughs> the good stuff. The I good heard stuff. you talking to Scott about the, about the Seder tomorrow, and can't forget with matzo ball soup, you got to have potato cakes. Oh, latkes. The they're the king. Cakes. They're the key. Yes. Yes. Latkes. <laughs> oh, you know, the, uh, everything. Everything at a Passover uh, feast is, is delicious.
So um, we were talking about the good old days. In fact, I kicked off the show talking about uh, when I started doing this. And you asked uh, what my first internet first com- Windows connected computer. To- Windows computer was. That was three. Yep. I think it has to be three. I mean, I used DOS, of course, uh, from from day one, the, the 1981, when the IBM PC came out. And, and prior to that, CPM and... Uh, oh, I heard you talking about that several weeks ago, about the old CPM machine. The, I used the, to have the, a the K-Pro 10. Oh, yeah. The yeah, K-Pro we called that great. Darth Vader's lunchbox. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a por- quote, I put this in air quotes, portable computer that was only 30 pounds. Oh, but yeah. It, 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 all, it folded all up like a sewing you- machine. Yeah, yeah. You put the keyboard fastened on the front with these latches, and you carried this big box around, and you had, what, a five-inch green screen? <laughs> yeah, it was a very big butt. The key, the cool thing about the K-Pro, and it was kind of a clone of the Osborne, a uh, very yeah. similar form factor. The cool thing about both of them is they came with software. They came with WordStar, and, you know, Multiplanet, a full suite of software. So it was an amazing deal. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So you... Your first Windows computer. Now, when did you first get on the internet? Let's say so that, when and that's exposure. when we were. That's when we were, we were kind of starting to play with that. The first, my first experience of the internet was a text-based experience. I was on a um, a, a BBS service, a bulletin board service. I ran my own in in the mid '80s, and I was on one called the Well. That was a a, a, a Berkeley-based, very famous uh, in its time bulletin board system. And the well was unique because it allowed you to drop down out of their software, out of the bulletin board software, on, into the shell, and from there to the internet. Ah, yeah. So I was able to use Gopher, which was a menuing system, uh, Lynx, which was a text-based browser. It's, the World Wide Web was around, but uh, you know you, you didn't have the graphical browsers. Um, and uh, I, I do vividly, even today, remember that amazed feeling when I dropped into the internet of, wow, the world is on here. Now, of course, exactly. then it might have been, it might have been a few hundred thousand people, but it just, it was kind of amazing. BBSs at the time the- could only accommodate three or four people at most. You know, I had a, I had two modems, so two people could be on my BBS at once. Yes, I did the same thing. Yep, yep. Yeah, ran the old yeah. bulletin board system. Now you were talking about email and MCI mail in the interim oh, yeah. between BBSs and the internet was FidoNet. Remember that? <laughs> I was a FidoNet sysop. Now we're really getting geeky. FidoNet was yeah, yeah. Tom Jennings wrote it. Uh, it was a bulletin board software, and uh, I ran a FidoNet clone. So I wasn't running the original FidoNet. I was running a FidoNet clone on my bulletin board system. So the, the idea was this is pre-internet. People would dial in directly to your phone number, get a modem, and then they'd be on your bulletin board system. And depending on how many lines you had in your house, that's how many people could be using it simultaneously. In my case, I actually spent money on two lines and two modems. Modems were really expensive. And I remember uh, I was really excited when uh, Seagate released the 20 megabyte hard drives because I could get more, a bigger BBS on there. But yeah, I ran, I ran a fight on it and then we created something. I was part of the creation of something called EchoNet, which was a way that FidoNet um, message systems, because you did have a message system. Of course, you'd log in, leave a message, log out. Next guy'd log in, leave a message, log out. It wasn't exactly real time. But uh, EchoNet allowed you to post messages on Fido BBSs all over the world. And that was kind of cool. The old uh, Seagate drive you mentioned, the ST228R. I had the 30 meg version with the RL <laughs> controller. Now we're getting geeky. But. Yeah, we're, we might be leaving people behind at this point. We sound like a couple old codgers sitting on the back porch of the 
with a little checkerboard between us. I remember the old days. Yep. Um, wanted to mention, I've been listening to you on Twit TV this week, but I started hearing you on Access America, the KU band satellite, free-to-air satellite network. That's where I started listening to where your show is. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, we have, you know, the, the way I license everything but the radio show. The radio show, this show that you're listening to right now, of course, is owned by the Premier Radio Networks, and uh, the copyright there, too, lies within their jurisdiction. However... Yep. The other stuff I do, I license using something called Creative Commons, which I really like, and I encourage people who create stuff to use it. Creative Commons is an alternative to full copyright uh, or putting it in the public domain. It's somewhere in the middle. You get to assert some control over the content, but not total control, not all rights reserved. So in my case, the, the podcasts we do are Creative Commons, and they have three conditions. You have to, it's attribution, which means you have to give us credit. You can't use it, you can't reuse it for commercial purposes. You can't sell it, for instance. Uh, you can only give it away. And it has to be what's, and this is kind of the tricky, and I love this uh, part of it. It's called share alike. That anything you create, you could take my podcast and make a song out of it. You could chop me up in little bits and make a song. But anything you create that way, you have to, you can't do it for commercial purposes. You have to give me credit. And you have to share your new creation in the same way that I have, with the same license that I have so that it kind of perpetuates itself. You can't suddenly say, I'm going to make something with Leo's shows and I'm going to copyright it. You can't uh, if you follow the license. So I'm sure that these satellite guys are doing it for non-commercial purposes. And as long as they attribute it, yeah, that's absolutely within the license. They don't even have to ask permission. Yeah, it's, it's a great thing. But Leo, I just wanted to thank you for everything you do. I've you know, watched and listened to you for years. and Well, Steve, I feel the same way, and I thank you for – that's a lot of work doing a radio station. I'm horrified to hear about your fire. I'm glad you survived, uh, and, uh, you know, gear's just gear. It can't I be replaced. But And it was Bianca, my seeing-eye dog, who saved my butt, and we're rebuilding. Like I said earlier, the studio is done. The computers are done. We're just – Yay. The loose ends and about ready to throw the switch. So I've been keeping an eye on your progress with your new studio – Steve, if there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. <laughs> well, I well at least say this, wolffm.com. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate the call, and we'll continue to listen. Thanks, Steve. Great to talk to you, and I'm so glad you're okay. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I, I have lots more people to talk to, including Daniel. He'll be next from Toronto. He's looking to send money online. What happened? Western Union, they're gone. Where, how do you do it these days? We'll talk about that in just a second, but first... A word to the wise about backup from Carbonite. Oh, the wonders of Carbonite. Here is a, an actual testimonial we got from Patricia Oglesby. She says, we got a really bad virus and the computer guy couldn't save anything from the hard drive. He had to wipe it completely clean. Right thing to do, probably. I'm thinking, I hope Carbonite works. So I take it home, plug it in, push restore on the Carbonite website. It all starts coming back. It just kept going and it was all there when it was all in the right place. Carbonite just did all that and I don't have to think about it. Carbonite, easy to use. It was great, Patricia. There's a happy ending thanks to Carbonite. Now, what about you? Get to Carbonite.com. Use my name, Leo. You'll get a 15-day free trial Mac or PC. If you decide to buy unlimited backup for everything on your internal drive with Anytime Anywhere access from any computer or their smartphone apps, just 15 cents a day. And if you use my name, Leo, when you decide to buy it, you'll get two additional months to your 12-month subscription. Carbonite.com. It's off. It's a... Backup done right. Use the offer code LEO at Carbonite.com. Please, please do it today. Don't delay. Ah, 
Daniel, I hear the magic sound that tells me we've got to take a break for our local news. We will be back in a moment. I'll be talking to you next. 8888-ASK-LEO. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo. Really great to talk to you. I'm so excited. Thank you. I'm excited, too. Let's be excited together. (laughs) Awesome. It's going to be fun. (laughs) What can I do for you? So we just launched a new website called 3squarefeet.org, and it's a really special website to me. And online we sell uh, and create lapel pins and pendants and earrings that kind of serve as a a special message to ourselves to kind of make an impact in our very own three square feet and uh, make an impact in our three square feet uh, as we walk through our daily lives. Oh, I love that idea. So the, the, the three square feet is the space we occupy on the planet. Yeah, we, we've all got our own, very own three square feet. So as we're walking through our, our daily lives, our, our three square feet interact with other people's three square feet. And I love it. The, if everybody, uh, makes a really positive impact in their own three square feet and gives out kind of very positive vibes. Um, we can all, you know, live a little bit happier and, and have a lot more cool experiences. So the site is a T H R E E. You spell it out squarefeet.org. Yep. Okay. And, uh, and is it, uh, is it uh, software or what exactly do I get? Uh, no, we, we sell, um, a really elegant lapel. Oh, it's pins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Pins and pendants mm-hmm. and uh, earrings that, that just kind of give us a, a reminder. So here's my question. We yes. take $3 from every item that we sell, and we give it to uh, different people in communities all over the world who are really good three-square-feeders, so people who are making a really positive impact in their community. So we're sending this money uh, all over the world. Um, oh, and I just want to know... Since we're sending it for such uh, a good reason, I don't really want to get scammed or anything like that. And, and I want to make sure that the money gets there uh, intact. So I, I was looking online to try and find a way that we can send uh, the money online. And I saw a whole whole bunch of different services, like there was PayPal and there was one called Zoom. And I, I heard you uh, a couple weekends talking about uh, uh, Square, uh, which right. I wasn't too sure about. Uh, and I'm just trying to find what's the, the best way to get it um to, to the people we're looking to get the, the funds to. Yeah, that's an interesting issue because it's international, right? You're sending internationally? Yeah. Yeah. Now, we, we use uh, PayPal. I'll tell you, there are considerable negatives, So, I'll, I'll, but I'll, I'll tell you, that's one of the reasons we do use PayPal because they will um, ship internationally, ship, not exactly ship, but they'll transfer money internationally in a variety of currencies. So uh, that's fairly simple to do. Um, there are other payment services. In fact, uh, I just, uh, learned that, um, let's see, Amazon has a payment service and I just learned that American Express is doing a PayPal like payment service. And I would guess that of all of them, that the, here's why I don't, I'm not sure I could completely re- recommend a PayPal. Um, they have kind of a checkered history of, freezing accounts of uh you know there's there's it's there doesn't seem like there's anybody home 
the security model is a little odd. They're owned by eBay, so it's not like they're a small fly-by-night company. And in fact, I use PayPal uh, for donations right now when people want to um, make contributions to uh, the netcasts. We use PayPal for that and have for years. That's more historical because uh, I had software that supported it and it was an easy thing to do and lots of people have PayPal. But that's for giving donations. And 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 that's a little different for, for taking stuff and then sending it to other people. PayPal really has it set up to do that. It's very easy. If somebody has an email address, uh, you can PayPal the money in their native currency. Uh, but I am a little nervous about it. And also, they'd have to have a PayPal account to collect the money, you know, which means they have to set it up. They have to make sure their bank account is tied to it. And it's a little tricky. You might look at Amazon Payments. Uh, again, Amazon is worldwide, but I don't know if they're quite as global. I guess they are. They're pretty global. Um, payments.amazon.com. Uh, so you can buy stuff with Amazon, but you can also send money with Amazon payments. Um, again, they'd have to have an Amazon account. That's kind of a, a disadvantage. And as I said, American Express is doing it. In fact, in the long run, I wonder if American Express might be the uh, the big winner on this one. Uh, but they're brand new, so maybe you don't want to experiment with them. Uh, in fact, uh, let's see. Uh, American Express goes digital. Announced, they, they call it Serve, S-E-R-V-E. This is with literally just announced this week. Followed in Visa's, I guess Visa's doing it too. Visa's steps and announced a digital payment and commerce platform dubbed Serve, which enables consumers to make purchases and, and this is what you want to do, person-to-person payments online via mobile phones uh, or the internet. Awesome. Uh, so so now, now that I see that Visa does it as well, uh, that's uh, interesting. Um, th- th- I would say those would be kind of the more universal choices, American Express Serve or the Visa system. And then PayPal is, is currently the big one. Now, I do like Square a lot. Uh, I, I've not seen Square used for paying other people. It's, it's something that you would use. It has a little device that plugs into your iPhone or iPad or Android phone. It allows you to take credit cards, or you can manually enter credit cards. So it's for getting money. Now, you could certainly use Square. Uh, in fact, it'd be kind of funny to use Square on 3squarefoot.org, 3squarefeet.org. It'd be a kind of pun there. Uh, so you could certainly use it to take money. I'm not sure about Square setup, how Square is set up to uh, send people money. So that's that I'd have to investigate. But there's some good choices out there. PayPal, the best known. But because of some, I don't know, big question marks uh, in my mind, with how PayPal does business, you might want to go with Visa or American Express or Amazon, one of the one of the big commerce, e-commerce companies. Really, the question is, you know, who are you sending money to? And if it's a farmer in Afghanistan, I don't think any of those services, it's got to be somebody who can get online, right? I don't know if any of those services are going to work. Hey, Daniel, what a great idea. What a great idea. I'll give you another plug. Three square feet, all spelled out, dot org. And I'm going to look at these pins. Pins, pendants, or earrings. They got a big three in them, but it looks like a heart. So that's kind of cool. Threesquarefeet.org. What a nice idea. Mona, Vista, California. You're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Mona. Hello. Hi. Um, Welcome. It finally broke down. Verizon has the iPhone now, and I purchased one. 
But now to get my iTunes to sync with my new phone, I don't have the, I have iTunes 9. Oh, yeah, you got to upgrade to 10. Is there some reason you didn't want to go to 10? Well, my it won't let me because my operating system is a 10.4. Oh, I hate Apple. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that. But that's just so frustrating. So you buy an iPhone. They require, if you're going to use the iPhone, activation with iTunes. You can't activate it any other way. Now, you could have it activated at the store, but then you wouldn't have backup. You wouldn't have be able to transfer photos to your computer. There's, there's features that are missing. So you have to have iTunes. You have to have iTunes 10, but you can't have iTunes 10 if you don't update your operating system to uh, Leopard. So my suggestion is it's $30 to get Snow Leopard. It's an easy upgrade, Mona. I guess you need to do that. Yeah, well, I'll, I will do that. I thought I was going to have to buy a whole new Mac. But... No, you just go to the go to the Apple store and get a, a Snow Leopard disc, 30 bucks. Oh, okay. And that will upgrade in my Mac Mini? Yep. It'll be very easy, actually. I think I can do that. That solves my problem. Thanks, Mona. Call back if you have problems with the iPhone. I'd love to help you there. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte. Phone number is 888-827-5536. That's 8888-ASK-LEO. Hey, I, I want to correct myself thanks to the chat room uh, for our last caller. She said she had a Mac Mini, just bought an iPhone, couldn't uh, use the iPhone because she was using iTunes 9, and you have to get to iTunes 10 before you can use the iPhone, which, by the way... I'm sure has much more to do with copy protection than any technical issue. Um, and, of course, you can't run iTunes 9 if you're using Tiger, which she is. And I suggested she go to all the way to the newest version of OS X Snow Leopard. I, I have to amend that suggestion. The chat room reminded me that some early Mac Minis were not running on Intel chips. They were PowerPC Mac Minis. So if your Mac Mini is more than a few years old, you may not be able to go to Snow Leopard. Apple... Uh, uh, cut the cord with older hardware with the latest version of OS X Snow Leopard. They said it will only run on, on, on Intel-based machines. That's not the end of the, the world because you can run Leopard, the previous version, 10.5. Just upgrade from 10.4. You can upgrade to 10.5 on a, a PowerPC Mac Mini. So, And that's a fairly easy upgrade. Probably a call to the Apple Store or a visit to the Apple Store would be the right thing to do at this point extremely frustrating and I, I'm very sympathetic because uh, time was you could buy a cell phone without upgrading your computer. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like that should be a requirement. Oh, I'm sorry, you can't use this cell phone unless you upgrade to a new operating... What? What? It's one of the reasons Apple has stolen a little jump on Microsoft. I think that that, that that gap has been closed. But one of the reasons that Apple's stuff was for a long time a little bit better than Microsoft's is they were willing to do this. They were willing to cut the cord on old hardware. They, they left behind people running uh, 
OS 9, System 9, and then they left behind people running uh, PowerPC. They, uh, they changed their processor to Intel, making it standard with the rest of the worlds. And at each juncture, you know, they've taken, it's not been immediate, but after a little while they've said, sorry, we're not going to support the old stuff anymore. And I'm sure it's just a coincidence that requires you to buy an expensive new computer. I'm sure that that's not part of the overall strategy. It's just a, it's just a nice side effect. Ah, uh, yes. So just a, a little word of warning. Check to make sure that Snow Leopard is compatible with your current hardware. It will not be if you have a PowerPC Mac. Francis Hacienda Heights, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello, Francis. Hi, Leo. Big fan of you and your Twit network. Thank you. Uh, my question today is I do a podcast, and I'm actually, you know, I'm having a lot of fun with it, but I'm running out of space really quickly on the website that hosts my podcast, and I was curious if you had any ah. for places that could kind of grow with me. Yeah. You're running out of space. So you buy space from them or? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my recommendation for anybody, you know, look at podcasters do not, are not generally flush. It's not, it's not, it's usually a hobby, not a, not a very profitable business. So my recommendation for most podcasters is a site called Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. And it's pretty affordable. You pay for storage. You pay for the amount of space you're using, and you get a certain amount a month. Um, but if you're putting out a weekly podcast, usually that's more than enough. And you don't ever have to pay for bandwidth, which is nice, because if your podcast gets really successful and suddenly a million people are listening, it will cost you no more, which is great. No. All right. dot com, a shirt for liberated syndication. And they were really created to do exactly this to give people uh, inexpensive uh, podcasting. In fact, they, they've got uh, uh, the, the software that they have there allows you to actually create a podcast kind of automatically so you don't have to use external software to create the feed, things like that. I like them. Oh. What's your podcast? Uh, it's called Geek Love Radio. <laughs> I like the name. It, it, what is the website, Geek Love? Actually, it's uh, sincere-sarcasm.net. <laughs> <laughs> sincere sarcasm and who are you using for uh, your bandwidth uh for the blog for the podcast um it's called podomatic podomatic okay and so they give you a certain amount of oh i don't see sincere sincere say say it again sincere sarcasm dot net net i went to com sincere sarcasm dot net so podomatic doesn't give you unlimited storage or you have to pay for Storage. I would look at Libsyn. It's uh, probably somewhat similar to Podomatic in the sense that um, it's podcast focused, but uh, but they but you pay at most thirty bucks a month. And for most podcasters, if you're only putting out a weekly podcast, it's going to cost you five or ten dollars a month. It's not going to be very expensive. You can even move your blog there if you want, although it's not necessary. This looks cool. I'll have to listen. Yeah, I actually use Squarespace. <laughs> oh, no wonder it looks so good. There you go. Yeah, so if you're using Squarespace, uh, you just link when you have a podcast link, you just link it over to Libsyn. It's completely compatible. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I just actually had one other question, and that was when I record uh, my podcast, I was curious if it was possible to play audio and record at the same time if you had a new program that could do that. So you want to, let me understand this, you want to have music in the background as you're recording? 
Oh yeah, I like to be able to listen to like the intro song while it's uh, ah. you know while we're recording or something. Yeah, that gets a little more a little tricky. Oh, um, and uh, you know, of course, we do that, uh, but the way we do it is with a, a, a traditional kind of radio setup with a mixer. That's what a mixer does. It allows you to have different elements mixed in. Uh, Behringer makes a very inexpensive and I think fairly nice podcast setup that includes Mike's Mixer, The Works, B-E-H-R-I-N-G-E-R. Um, you know, people sometimes look at what we do with podcasts and, you know, I have a fairly big podcast network with like 30 shows and, and really the only way we've been able to do it is, um, by basically building a TV studio or a TV or radio studio. It's been, it's been, it's been a fairly, and that is not something I would recommend for anybody. Certainly not for the faint of heart. <laughs> so let me see if I can find the Behringer. It's uh, it's their podcasting package. Um, and it's nice because it includes everything you, uh, you need to do this. They make inexpensive mixers too. B-E-H-R-I-N-G-E-R. I'll just search for Behringer and podcast, see what I can find. Good luck. I love, I love it. The people are doing the podcasting. Yeah. It's the podcast studio, USB. Uh, that's 83 bucks, 130 bucks for Firewire. Pretty cheap. All right. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Good luck. Keep up the good work. Sincerecarcasm.net. I love it. Podcasting like blogging is just a great thing to do. It, uh, it gives you the chance to be heard and have an international audience. Most people, like 99.9% of podcasters and bloggers, will not make any money. If they're lucky, they'll make a little bit of money, say, on uh, Google Ads, enough to pay for the bandwidth and the website. But uh, it is not, it's not normally a, a, a full-time business. There's only a handful of us who have been able to make a business out of it. And uh, in my case, it doesn't hurt to have a national radio show, to have done a national television show for six years. Those things, <laughs> they give you a little head start. It's not something anybody can do, I think. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. But I'm a nerd forever. I'm the new Zuckerberg. And since my website, I've been cooking dough like a chef serving kilobytes. Used to be the basement, back at my mom's place. Building web traffic so that we could sell an ad space. Make way for the one man businesses. Bailouts finish with white collar criminals. This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high speed internet. At an amazing price, call 866 the number two, get net. Get DSL Extreme. All right, Kyle, what is that? That is the Facebook rap. What is that? It's got all the uh, all the right uh, geek buzzwords in there. New door. It's, uh, of course, a parody of uh, Jay-Z's New York. I like it. I'm going to get that. <laughs> Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827-5536. That's the phone number. 
<laughs> Clearly a geek that created that song. It's got all the geek words in it. That is very funny. There's a YouTube video, too. I'll play that a little later on. Uh, Rod's in Simi Valley, our next caller. Hey, Rod, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Thanks for calling. Hello, Rod. Oh, I got to press the button. How about if I press the button, Rod? Then you'll be able to speak to me. It's okay, computer hi, stuff. Leo. I'm just, I'm new at it. <laughs> hey, it's great to talk to you. Um, my wife wants to upgrade to a smartphone from her current uh, cell phone, which is over okay. two years old. Okay. Uh, she's already with Verizon, and yesterday she saw and fell in love with the Thunderbolt. And uh, That's a nice phone. I like the Thunderbolt. It's, you know, the, the real choice people are going to have to make these days. First of all, she did the right thing, or you're doing the right thing, which is choose the carrier first. Maybe because uh, you're already there and it's cheaper, and to, or because they have the best carriage in your neighborhood or, or whatever. But choose the carrier. That's the most important thing because all of them have good phones. If it's AT&T right. or Verizon, then you have to make the choice between an iPhone or an Android phone. I mean, I guess you could include there are other choices. You know, BlackBerry makes smartphones. Uh, there's the Palm Pre, and HP will be doing more WebOF stuff soon. Uh, and even Nokia has some smartphones. But really, I think for 99.9% .9 of us, the choice is between Google's Android operating system and Apple's iPhone. Excellent. Most of the time, when I when I talk to people who are, oh, I forgot, I left out. <laughs> Microsoft has a smartphone, don't they? Uh, Windows Phone Seven. That's also a good choice. In fact, that's a really good choice for your first smartphone, I think, uh, because it's it's kind of uh, simple and easy to use. However, uh, the fundamental issue in the long run is. Who has the apps that you want? And the Windows Phone 7 has a very limited number of apps, whereas Android and uh, iPhone both have hundreds of thousands to choose from. So uh, w it, since it really does come down to apps, uh, I would say stick with Android or iPhone. Now, the Thunderbolt that she's looking at is the newest Android phone from Verizon. It's a very nice phone. Does she like the big screen? Yeah, she loved everything. Yeah, the big screen is the real selling point on that. It's 4.3 inches. It's like the Sprint Evo uh, or the Droid X from Verizon. Um, I like HTC's Verizon or uh, Android phones. HTC is a good manufacturer. They make up, I think, the best uh, uh, Android phones out there. It's a great phone. The only my only concern with Android is sometimes it's a little overwhelming for non geeks. Geeks love it because it's. I mean, you can do anything you want with it. You got widgets and things, and it's very powerful. Um, but, uh, but for non geeks, it's sometimes a little intimidating. You know, Apple has a little bit of an advantage there because there's not much you can do with that home screen. It's just a, a, a array of icons and it's pretty straightforward. You press an icon and it launches that thing. It's not quite so confusing, I think for, uh, newbies, but if she liked it, Rod, yeah, she felt comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, I would say it'd be a good choice for her. the only other concern and, uh, you know, this is a this is a real concern for anybody moving to a smartphone. Is battery life? Yeah, they said about five hours. Yeah, that's they're be, they're really warning you by saying that that you know, oh, I see. five hours. That's not even a day. I I think you'll get better than five hours, but boy, that's you know that means you have to be able to plug it in. Now, what I do when I get to work, I immediately plug in my smartphone. And when I'm driving around, I plug it in in the car. So it doesn't it doesn't really go very long without being plugged in. It's plugged in overnight, plugged in at work, plugged in in the car. 
But if she is a kind of person who doesn't get near power all day, that phone might die on her before the end of the day. That's a big deal. Yeah. And the thing is that smartphones, unlike a feature phone like her current phone, you spend a lot of time messing with, especially when you first get it. You always have it on, and the screen is what's killing your battery life. So you're always playing with it and trying, you know, playing Angry Birds and checking in and Twittering and all sorts of things, and and that's what's going to kill the battery life. So the iPhone's a little better in that regard for two reasons. One, it does have, you know, probably 8 to 10-hour battery life, but also there are a number of companies that make external cases for the iPhone that are additional batteries. There's the Mophie Juice Pack, and I'm using one from a company called Techion. So when I get to the end of the day and I'm running low on juice, and it's unpredictable. Sometimes you go up, you know, 12 hours, no problem. Sometimes six hours or seven hours in, you're down to 20%. I just flip this little switch on the bottom of the case, and now I've got another four or five hours. That by itself makes the iPhone, for me, uh, a good choice when I'm not going to be able to plug in. So when I'm traveling, for instance, I often take the iPhone with me. Hey, Leo, quick question. Yeah. Do you know yeah. how to find out if it will hook up with the her hands-free Bluetooth in her car. I mean, nobody seemed to know the answer, and that's uh, really... Well, it, it, how old is her car? It's an 09 Accord. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Yeah. I, I wouldn't... I You know, the here Verizon will let you take it, but you, you, you take it back. You could you could take it, say, look, I, I just want to... I'm going to bring this back in, in 15 minutes if it doesn't ah. attach to my car, and they'll take it back. But but it will. Uh, Bluetooth is a very standard... Uh, Android phones are great that way. Uh, you know, on my Ford uh, Mustang, uh, which has that sync thing, um, my Droid X, I, and I bet you the, uh, the, um, the Thunderbolt will do this too, would read me text messages when they came in, as well as playing music and answering and, and sending calls. So that thing, I could listen to music on that thing. It was like a radio. Smartphones are great. I mean, smartphone is basically a computer, full computer in your pocket. Is she geeky at all? No, this is brand new. <laughs> so she's not, is she use a computer? Yeah, she's pretty good with the Mac. Okay, she's pretty good with them. See, I, I'm really leaning towards an iPhone just because it's her first smartphone and um, the camera on the iPhone's better. But if she really, but but there are reasons to, and the battery life's better. There are reasons to go with this with this Thunderbolt. One is the bigger screen. The other is a little intangible but i think the android phones are more flexible you can do more with them you can put widgets on the front and so forth i really i heart my android phone all right <laughs> but i'm a geek well, so that's into a geek yeah i you know i'm thinking i'm gonna be honest with you rod talk her into the iphone all right i really think especially if she's a mac user yeah i really think i'll give that a try I have to, it's very, this is very hard because, you know, depend, I, I really try to he, listen between the lines when I'm talking to somebody, when they say Mac or PC, Android or, or iPhone, and, and it really has to do with personality, um, how much they want to spend messing around with it. I'm just getting the feeling, Rod, I'm getting a strong, I'm getting the vibe, I'm getting the buzz, I'm getting the, 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 the gestalt from you that she is an iPhone user. She may say, oh, I like the big screen. Oh, that flashy, pretty Android stuff that all that, you know, all that fancy interface stuff. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like it that I can have the sun floating by on my desktop on the Android so I know what the weather is. You can't do that on the iPhone. But she may pay a price because it is so 
battery life, so complicated. I think you want a happy wife. You want a, you want an iPhone. She'll thank you for it. Seriously. 8888. Ask Leo. Call me. Am I wrong? You want to make the case for Android? I'd love to hear from you. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. these Kyle Leo Laporte the tech guy ah 8888 ask Leo Mr. Telephone Man Mr. Geek Man moving on to uh, Saf in Agoura Hills California listening to our mothership the great KFI in Los Angeles hey Saf hey Leo how are you doing today wonderful welcome to the show what can I do for you Great, thank you very much. I am a first-time caller. My father's an avid listener, and uh, fantastic. And in the computer business myself, and I have a couple questions for you. Great. What's your dad's name? Yoram. Hey, Yoram. So, what can I do for you, Saf? You're in the business. You shouldn't have to ask me. You should be telling me. I, I've got a a couple questions about Windows Seven. Okay. Now, if if you have a 32-bit operating system and you're putting the Windows software, Windows 7 software, 64-bit system, is it compatible to go into that computer? All modern computers are 64-bit processors. They're capable of going 64-bit. So you really do, if you're using a modern computer, and I mean anything sold in the last eight or nine years, you do have the choice on Windows of whether to go 32-bit or 64-bit. There are not, to be honest, uh, a lot of strong reasons to go 64-bit. I'll give you the, the one big reason, and then I'll give you the negatives on 64-bit. The strong reason to go 64-bit Windows 7 is it's the only version of Windows that can handle more than 4 gigs of RAM. And nowadays we are seeing computers with 6, 8, 10, 12, 9 gigs of RAM. That's an awful lot of memory. You probably don't need that much. But if you're buying hardware or building hardware that has a lot of RAM, then you will want to go 64-bit. There's a second reason, which I don't think is very compelling. Microsoft decided in uh, in the version 64-bit version of Windows 7 to be more a little more security-focused. So they did things like they they lock the kernel. They don't allow programs to modify the Windows kernel. This actually irritated a lot of antivirus programs. In fact, broke almost all of them because that was how they attached themselves to the operating system. They literally modify the kernel, which is the heart and soul of the operating system, in order to work. They can't do that. Uh, you know, there's patch protection, kernel protection on 64-bit Windows. However, that's of limited security value because hackers have figured out how to get around it. So, yeah. so you can get around the patch protection on the 64-bit. The disadvantage of 64-bit is it will not work with some older hardware and software, particularly uh, older drivers if they haven't been updated. 
Uh, the driver model, the way you write drivers for Windows 7 64 is different from the way you write a driver for Windows 7 32. So I, unfortunately, almost all new computers are sold with 64-bit Windows. This causes issues and, and really doesn't have a compelling, I don't think there's a compelling reason to do it. So I, I generally prefer uh, all other things being equal, unless you have more RAM than 4 gigs, going with Windows 7 32. So tell me, if the motherboard is, it's, it's a 32-bit processor, and you put a 64-bit system on it. What's the processor? Um, let me see the processor. Nobody, sell, nobody sells a 32-bit processor anymore. I don't know of any 32-bit processor. And a CPU? Can they sell yeah. a 32-bit CPU? I don't know of any. Because Intel I, doesn't make them anymore. AMD doesn't make them anymore. Even I, the Atom. Is it a, is it a Pentium 4? What is it? They're... Yes, Pentium 4. It's a Pentium. Oh, it is. Okay, okay. So it's an old processor. Got it. So, you, yeah. So you're going to want to, first of all, you're going to want to make sure you get a Pentium 4 motherboard. And you're right. You should not put, I mean, I don't think it's going to break any. Well, I shouldn't say that. If you're using old hardware, absolutely, under no circumstances, should you run 64-bit Windows. There's no point. Right now, an Intel Pentium 4, 3.4 gigahertz, one core, two processors. Yeah, it's an ancient processor. It's yeah. It works great on it, Windows Seven. Yeah, it's not that it won't work. Okay. But you can't install sixty-four bit Windows Seven on it. But uh, you see, this is the curious thing. I actually did. Oh well, then you have a sixty-four bit Pentium Four. There were sixty-four bit Pentium Fours. Okay, so now this other computer, I, it has pretty much the exact same thing, except it's running off RAID, and it's, it, it won't allow me to do Windows 7, 64. Yeah, that's, that's, if you have a normal 32-bit Pentium 4, it won't allow you. Exactly. Got it. So if, it, if it's letting you do it, then you can do it. I don't see any reason to do it. In fact, I think a lot of reasons on old hardware like that, you're gonna, there's going to be motherboard drivers that won't work. There's going to be all sorts of things that won't work. If I were you... If I were you, I would I would say, stay with 32-bit on anything that's not a modern. You know, if you buy a processor today, you're fine. If you have Pentium 4, when was the last time this? I mean, that thing's ancient. Nothing wrong with it. And you're, in, fact, in fact, you're right. Windows 7 runs fine on it. Windows Vista probably wouldn't because it's such a pig. They really trimmed down Windows 7, mostly because they wanted to run on uh, slow netbooks on, on Atom processors. So, Saf... I understand your confusion. It'll run and it won't run. What is it? Just use 32-bit. I don't even know why you would think of 64-bit on something like that. There's no reason to. Just use 32-bit. And uh, you know, somebody in the chat room says you sound offended. Uh, not, I'm not offended. I'm just, um, I'm, I'm a little offended. I, I am offended. I'm offended. I'm deeply. In fact, I am. I am deeply offended. <laughs> no, I'm not. But Microsoft is really pushing the 64-bit version of Windows 7, and I think that's a mistake. I don't see a compelling reason to do it. And uh, what happens is you get a lot of people calling me saying, well, this and that won't work. My old printer won't work or my USB won't work. You know, it, it isn't needed. It isn't better. I think a lot of people think, oh, 64, that's twice as good as 32. Uh-uh. <laughs> Wrong. It's, it's twice as big. It's not twice as good. It's a, I hate to get in this conversation. This is one of the reasons why people are buying uh, iPads. They don't want, they don't, this is not a, we shouldn't have to talk about what your processor is and how many, how many bits 
you know what? This, the, the, the debate is over how much memory your processor can address and how large the registers are on your processor. No one should have to know or care about that. It should, <laughs> but Microsoft makes you know and care about it, unfortunately, by offering two different versions of Windows in the same disk. Hey, let's take a break. If you are using Windows 7, one more thing, please install Nod32. In fact, this is an important uh, tip for people running older hardware like you are, Seth. Nod32 antivirus is the only antivirus I know of that will run fast on older hardware. Most antiviruses will bog your system down. You know, you need the protection, but uh, it's not worth it if your system can barely run. Nod32 is optimized for speed and yet is more effective than anything out there. That's why CNET gave it five out of five stars and their editor's choice this year. It's why uh, the prestigious virus bulletin has said year after year, Nod32 is the only antivirus never to miss a virus in the wild. It's super effective, super fast, light, tight. It's the kind of software, you know, all software should be like this. If uh, you haven't tried it, I want to encourage you to give it a shot free for 30 days. Go to ESET.com slash Leo. That's the company that makes it, ESET. ESET.com slash Leo. If you're on a Mac, they also make a great program for the Mac, cybersecurity for the Mac. That's free for 30 days too. ESET.com slash Mac for the Mac version. ESET.com slash Leo for the Windows version. If you're confused, you can call them 866-935-ESET. You use Windows or now Mac. You need Nod32. It's as simple as that. Kayla, Chicago, Illinois. Hi, Kayla. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Hey, welcome to the show. What can I do for you? I'm I'm so happy to talk to you. Thank you. I have a YouTube channel for cooking and traveling. And now I would like to start a video cast so I can post on iTunes. That's so cool. Yeah, it is cool. What is the name of your uh, video cast? It's How to with Kayla, K-E-I-L-A. So when I, uh, you know, wh- uh, using the, U- uh, the YouTube, I use their own video edit. Right. I do the video on my Droidex, and it's so easy, you know, to post and everything. Now, for a video podcast, podcast, what would be like a very good and very easy software for me to edit the videos before I submit to Libsyn? Because I'm going to use Libsyn to do everything else. And, and are you on Windows? Uh, yes, I have a PC. Yes, Windows. So Windows. you already have, if you have Windows 7, you already have a pretty good editor, which is called Windows Movie Maker. You might try that just to see if it'll do what you want. If you want more, uh, Adobe Premiere Elements is 80 bucks and is great. Premiere Elements. And I'm going to plug your channel when we come back because this is really cool. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
Well, a good day to you. Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. Time to talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, and all the, all the digital jazz in the world. 8888 Ask Leo is my number. I'd love to give you a little uh, free consulting time to help you with your digital woes. Whoa. In fact, we were talking with Kayla uh, in Chicago, Illinois. Kayla, have you uh, have you taught cooking before, or is this just a, a, a personal passion project? It's a, well, I went to culinary school. Uh, I don't work as a chef, but I, that's what I love to do. So especially things that are not uh, easy to do at home, like making, making feta cheese, cream cheese, soy milk, things like that. I love it. So the, uh, the website or the, the address is YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's how to with Kayla, K-E-I-L-A. Now, I, I, I know a lot of people want to do this or are thinking about doing this. It, it's it, one of the things that is so exciting about um, what's happening on the Internet today is, is anybody with uh, an expensive camera, a computer, and uh, Internet access can have an international audience. And this is so great. Yeah. Now, I, I'll give you a couple of tips because I, I know your initial question was, how do I make a downloadable video podcast? And I can talk about that. But um, one thing I'm going to give you a little tip. Of, let's, this is a little bit of uh, uh, the YouTube channel. This is how to make feta cheese. And uh, Kayla's talking here. If I, can get, if I can get it to play. Sometimes YouTube is a little balky with me here. It has to be whole milk. Also, it has to be pasteurized milk. Not Now, you're using the camera microphone, aren't you, for your audio? Yeah, and that would be my, my second question to you. The microphone on the droid is, is not good. Are so, you shooting this on a droid? <laughs> That's great. I mean, the video quality is fine. Yeah, that's how yeah. it's, but the, the sound. Yeah, it's echoey. I can hear the room. I can hear noise in the background. Uh, you have uh, one where you're visiting uh, a candy shop, and it's really noisy in the background. So this is where you can improve this very easily by using a microphone instead of using the built-in camera microphone. I have to say the video is great, but the droid uh, doesn't really have the cape. I mean, actually, you can go out and get little attachable microphones that will plug into the droid. But here's the one in the candy share. I mean, it's great, but you're picking up everything all around you. It's what's called an omnidirectional microphone. And, of course... A phone, that's fine, but on a video, we expect better audio, don't we? Exactly, exactly. So what I would suggest is a little investment. It's not a big investment, but a small investment in your show is maybe getting um, a little bit better camera, uh, something like uh, the a flip cam. In fact, the one I've been recommending is the Kodak ZI8. It's about 125 to $150. Now, the newest one doesn't have a microphone jack, but but they have but the older model and you still can find it has a microphone, little tiny microphone jack on it. Uh-huh. And that will allow you to plug in a microphone. You could either hold it or have a lapel mic that's closer, but it'll be closer to you. It'll sound much much better. All right. And it's funny, we think of video as being all about video. Sound is at least 50% if not more. If you had a picture that you know was one frame a second, not a very good video picture, but you had good quality sound, most people would say that's fine. It's really the sound that that that, that is important, I think, here. Mm-hmm. I, I so, see yeah, and if you shoot it on a, on a ZI-8 or uh, something similar, a camcorder, then you import it into your Windows machine, 
You can use Windows Movie Maker. If it's not on your machine now, you go to get.live.com. That's Microsoft's get.live.com. And that's free to download. If you find that that's not doing everything you want, uh, again, as I mentioned, Adobe Premiere Elements is under $100 and is a very nice video editing package. Uh, now, the next question. So, so we've improved the quality a little bit by getting a little bit better camera, by getting a, a microphone uh, that you could plug into uh, the camera and have closer to you, even, even holding it. In fact, it makes you look more professional. You could have a Cooking with Kayla logo on it. And, and it even looks more professional. And, and you can hear it better. If you're cooking and you need both hands, you can also get a shotgun mic or a mic that uh, is uh, on your lapel, you know, clipped onto you. There are all sorts of choices there. And it really will improve the sound a lot. And I think the overall production quality. You're gorgeous, so people are going to want to watch it. You have great information, so people are going to be very interested in it. I think, I think you've got a hit on your hands. Now, the next question is, how do I make it so people can get it on iTunes or Zoom or other downloads and you don't really all you have to do is do do the work that you're going to do to make this better on youtube and upload it not only to youtube but upload it to libsyn l-i-b-s-y-n and they will make a podcast out of it yeah they make it they make an rss feed out of it and uh, so you'll put a little post in there you don't have to you know it's it becomes your web page you have a little post in there people can comment but it also turns everything you post on there into a feed and then you give that address to iTunes and people will be able to subscribe to it and you can put higher quality there too can't you because YouTube you know there's there's kind of a limit although you're it's amazing I can't believe you're doing this with a camera phone I mean it, it looks fantastic you know yeah um, alright is your husband shooting that oh my yes. you your, yeah isn't that great so he's he's your silent partner on all this <laughs> yeah he's great <laughs> yeah, well, now you can give him some instructions. Say, I want better audio. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do, Leo. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, good luck. How to with Kayla. It's youtube.com slash H-O-W-T-O-W-I-T-H. And the only thing that's a little odd is how the, it's a little different is how to spell Kayla's name. It's K-E-I-L-A. Yeah. Kayla, I'm so glad you're... Sh- this is what I I hope everybody will do. Everybody has something that they're passionate about, that they love. They know something about, and if, and this is what makes the internet so valuable is people put that one thing that they know about. You don't have to know about everything, just that one thing you know about. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a good writer. You could do it in audio or video. Uh, and if you put that on the internet, it just becomes a richer and richer medium for us all to learn. I think it's great. I mean, I want to make cranberry vodka now. <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> it's really. Kayla, thank you. Thank you so much. I wish you all the best. Oh, thank you. I think it's just so great. This is this to me is the revolution it, that that I am so excited about. And this is I mean, if you think about it, what makes Wikipedia so great? What makes the internet such a great resource? How how come you can go to Google and search for almost anything and find great information about it? Well, it's it's hundred million people like Kayla for free, just kind of out of the out of their own passion and interest and wanting to share putting information up, editing a Wikipedia page or making a YouTube video. And and uh, we should let's not take that for granted. That's a huge gift that they're giving us. And if anything, I would hope that that would inspire you to do the same. Maybe there's something you're an expert in, something you know a lot about. It could be the s- tiniest little slice of information. 
But by putting it up on the Internet, whether it's a blog, a YouTube video, a podcast, editing a Wikipedia page, whatever it is, even commenting on somebody else's blog, by putting that little to though your two cents in, all of those two senses adds up to a million billion bucks. Christine in San Bernardino, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Christine. Hello. Welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, you may have touched on this uh, previously, but I couldn't. Um, I didn't hear the whole answer, and I apologize. No problem. There's probably nothing I haven't touched on at some point, so it's, it's fine to repeat. Um, we bought. We bought a new computer uh, with Windows 7. I have a dinosaur of a laser printer, uh, IBM InfoPrint 1222, and I can't find a print driver. When I Google it, they want to download and they want to sell me things as far as updates. Yeah, don't fall for that trick because there's a lot of websites that take advantage of people looking for drivers. If you don't get it from IBM, you, you probably shouldn't use it. It was a Lexmark. Pardon me. It was. Hold on a second, because we're gonna have to take a break. But I, I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions, and then I'm gonna talk about the, the the larger issue here. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Even before there was Android, the Beatles loved desserts. These are all desserts. <laughs> and, 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 of course, all the code names for uh, Android operating versions, system versions, are uh, Donut, Eclair, Honeycomb, Ice Cream. I guess there's... Uh, there's some dessert lovers at Google. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the phone number. We were talking uh, to Christine. Oh, she just went away. But I but I will uh, I will help her a little bit. Christine in uh, uh, California was asking about her IBM InfoPrint 1222. And looking on the uh, on the IBM site, the late looks like the latest driver they've got is for Windows XP. I'm going to presume that you tried this, Christine. Do not go to those other sites. There are lots of sites if you type in a search for drivers that are not official sites. I just don't trust them. I just don't trust them. Some of them are okay, and certainly if you have an orphaned hard piece of hardware, as this almost is, you know that may be your only choice, but better to get it from the manufacturer if you possibly can. So first try the XP driver. If you're using Windows 7.32, you probably won't have any trouble with it. If you And this is why you know, it's from 2003. It's an old printer. But this, I have, uh, oh good, we've got her back. This, if, if, uh, if this doesn't work, you might be out of luck. Have you tried the Windows XP driver, Christine? Uh, no, I have not, not yet. Okay, so it, just because you have a later version of Windows doesn't mean the old driver won't work. Somebody's saying there's a Vista driver. Vista driver actually should work if you could find a Vista driver. Vista and is exactly the same as far as drivers go as Windows 7. 
So get it from IBM. How does that compu- that uh, laser printer hook up? Is it USB or is it using a printer port? I believe. Well, it has it has both. Oh, good. So as long as you have USB or network connection, you don't have to worry about a hardware interface. You know, if a lot of the old remember the old printers used a printer, so called printer port. Nobody makes a computer with printer ports anymore. So you have to get an adapter and so forth. But as long as you've got USB and you can get a driver for Vista, you should be able to use it. So, But don't, whatever you do, Christine, don't get drivers from those sites that either want to charge you or they, you know, they have a lot of ads on the site. Get it from the manufacturer. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Christine. Now, I have to say the issue is really, truly, um, as hard as Microsoft works to make every version of Windows completely compatible with anything that ever happened in the past, at some point, they're going to they're gonna do something that breaks it. And it's just going to mean you're going to have to get a new printer. Unfortunately, this is just something to keep in mind when you buy a computer. It's, it's not planned obsolescence, but there absolutely is obsolescence, and it's much faster than it would be for a car or a TV set. It, it's with, we're talking a few years before uh, the operating system, the software, maybe the printer and other peripherals just are too old. And, uh, and, and the, the choice at that point is to buy a new printer. The good news in that scenario is that in most cases, the newer stuff is cheaper and better and faster than the old stuff. So it, it's a worthwhile upgrade. Certainly true for computers. Carl in La Jolla, California. Carl, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Carl. Hey, Leo. How are you? I'm great. How are you? That's my birthday today, actually. Happy birthday. Thanks. And by the way, that... you're the last KFI show host I have, I have yet to talk to. So my life is complete. Wow. <laughs> you, you've done the hat trick, or I don't know what, what you'd call it. Now, they keep adding new hosts, though, and that kind of is going to screw you up. If you talk to Tim Conway Jr., uh, no, I haven't, yeah. of course, See, the weekend with him via email. Oh, all right. Well, but, that counts. That's good. Yeah. But all the others, uh, just, you got the big guys. Bill you Carroll, got handle John and Ken. Yeah. All right. Bill Carroll. Good. Charles That's a nice Payne, bunch of so. people. I have to say, uh, you know, I, this show started in 2004 on KFI and, uh, we syndicated it thanks to, with the help of KFI, uh, a, a few years later, but, uh, I, I still have a real soft spot in my heart for that entire staff. It's such great people there. It's a great, one of the last great radio stations in the world. They just are a monster. I was listening to you, actually. I remember the, when Bill O'Handel had first introduced you when you guys were talking about uh, gadgets. So I've been listening to you ever since. Yeah, he's been very gracious. I mean, here's the guy. He's the number one morning show host in, uh, in uh, Southern California, which makes him probably number one in the world. And uh, And he's just been so gracious and kind to me, even though, I think essentially I've just spent a lot of his money because <laughs> he buys a lot of the stuff I talk about and his wife Marjorie's worse. <laughs> and so he always gives me a hard time saying, Leo, you cost me more money. <laughs> Another, I had to buy more hard drives for Marjorie. <laughs> yeah, she anyway, likes- what can, what can I do for you? How can I make your day better? Well, uh, it's time. For, I need to get a new phone. I, I've had the Pearl 8100s. Since I can't remember when, and you know, it's just time to get a, a new phone. And so I, I'm on T-Mobile, and I was thinking about getting a new, the bold, the, the 9800. But 
I have to buy, I have to pay the full price because my father, I'm on a family plan, and my father used my upgrade to buy a oh. new for him. Ah. Dad! <laughs> Are you really tied to BlackBerry? Are you really sure you want to stay with BlackBerry? You know, I, I've, I've played with the droids. I have a lot of friends who have the droids, the androids, what have you. I like the phone. I, I really do. I like I like the touch keyboard. I, I'm a BlackBerry guy. That's, what can I say? There is a new storm coming. Uh, I wasn't a fan of the first storm. The second storm was a little better, but I, I do see uh, the rumor sites talking about a new BlackBerry storm. If you want a touch screen, but do you, do you like the keyboard? Is that what you want? Yeah, I like the keyboard. I, I can type a lot faster on the keyboard than I can with the Droid. My girlfriend is the Droid X, and with the right with the BlackBerry systems, I can type just a lot faster. Yep, apps. I completely agree with you. There are just some people who just want that hardware keyboard. Um, because I, for me, the phone is it's a business tool. It it allows me to make notes right away. So I'm not the one who really is going around playing games and everything. I, I use it so I can you know get my work done. It doesn't look like T-Mobile got the torch. It looks like they only have the bold, huh? Right, but what the thing was, I was thinking about was I went on Amazon.com and I saw you can buy an unlocked torch. Ah, that's what I would do. Yeah, and I, I was one. It was it's five hundred nineteen dollars. So compared to what I would pay for the yes. bold at five hundred, they're essentially the same price. Oh, in that case, I would go with the torch, um, and I would take the SIM card. You know, that's the nice thing about T-Mobile. It has a little SIM card. And you just pop it into, if you got an unlocked torch, which which sounds like you're going to get, you just pop in the SIM card. One of the reasons I, I, I love T-Mobile is I can just pop my T-Mobile SIM card in any unlocked phone and use it. I, that's how I try a lot of world phones like the Nokia N8. You just take that SIM out, you pop it in, and, and it's working great. So uh, I think of all of the Blackberries out there, the torch is the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that would be my recommendation, absolutely. Perfect. So the one that they advertise on Amazon when they say it's an unlocked yep. GSM BlackBerry Torch, that would be the Perfect. one I would get, or is there anything I should... That's the one. That's the one. Make sure it has the latest version of the operating system. I'm sure it does. Uh, that's the one. And, you know, I, I have to say BlackBerry's struggling right now, but if you're a BlackBerry lover, that's the one. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. This portion of the Tech Guy Show brought to you by Carbonite.com. It's backup done right. Try it free for two weeks. Just go to Carbonite.com and use the offer code Leo PC or Mac. Carbonite.com. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Talking about uh, all the amazing things in technology and all the problems you could have with it. Uh, for our caller, we had a caller, um, was it Christine, who uh, had problems with her... Uh, getting her info print printer to work uh, on Windows 7. And uh, somebody in the chat room just told me, and this is good news, that Rico bought that line from IBM. And Rico does, in fact, R-I-C-O-H, offer up-to-date drivers. That's good news. So if you have a IBM info print printer, 
Uh, check the Rico, R-I-C-O-H dot com site and see if they've got an update there. Uh, that would be a good place to go. Mike in Long Beach, California. You're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Hi, Mike. Hi. I uh, really appreciate you taking my call. I'm a fairly new listener. And um, I, I really love your show, by the way. Um, I have an EPAD with 128 uh, memory, uh, 1 gigahertz processor, and 2 gigabyte storage on board, and a 16 gigabyte TF card. And um, I have a Roku uh, box, and so I joined Netflix, and I want to learn, well, I want to get 10.1 on my EPAD, but it says it's not a authorized uh, EPAD. Uh, it's not part of their program. How much did you pay for that EPAD? Um, I bought it this last December, and I paid about $120. <laughs> I'm sorry, I should laugh. <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful device. I love it to death. <laughs> yeah, but but you're already seeing some of the drawbacks. I think in order to run Flash on an Android device, which this is, uh, you need to be using at least version 2.2 of the right, Android operating system. It is 2.2. No, 2.0. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. It won't run. Not at all. There's Not no all. workaround or... Well, there is a workaround. Put 2.2 on it. And uh, uh, that's just... Uh, well, it's not a tr- yeah, it's not an e- necessarily an easy thing to do. I would go. Uh, you you want to kind of see if there somebody probably has hacked it. You know, the, the nice thing about Android is that uh, it is um, because it's open source. It's easy to hack, and uh, there are lots of hacks. And Google and Google really doesn't stop people from hacking it. So uh, you can go and get probably get a ROM. 2.2 ROM for that EPAD. I would look anyway and uh, and see. Okay. Um, so, um, you know, especially since it was really cheap hardware, yeah, uh, it's it's very likely that people have been hacking around with it because it's you know an easy way to play with an Android tablet. It was one of the first Android tablets. Well, this um, is amazing in what it does, and um, it it plays other videos like from on the internet. But uh, I just can't get my Netflix or Hulu to work on it. Yeah, I'm looking, and I see there are a number of sites that talk about uh, the Android forums, for instance, that talk about getting uh, 2.2 on your EPAD. Now, having said that, even if you get 2.2 on there, if there isn't enough horsepower to run Flash, it may not run well. It doesn't really run well on anything that's not dual core. So it, you know, it's it's going to run, but it's going to be very slow and and you know unreliable. Okay. So I wouldn't get your hopes up. You, it'd be nice, wouldn't it, to watch TV on that thing? It's a little portable TV set, really. Yeah. But it just doesn't. It you know, for 120 bucks, don't expect a lot of horsepower. Yeah, it's a ZT180 processor. Does that help? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Um, uh, I have no idea. Go, you know, XDA Dash Developers. XDA. X XDA Developers. Those are the folks who do all of the different uh, ROM. Patches for a variety of devices. See if they have, you know, it's xda-developers.com and see if they, and then search there for an EPAD uh, ROM. And if anybody has it, it would probably be them. 
Great. But you're you're right. I mean, you know, I don't know what that processor is. It's probably not the fastest ARM core out there. Um, it might run Flash. It might not. But I'll be honest. Even on um, you know Droid X or one of the one of the latest single core gigahertz processor phones, Flash barely runs. I think I think you need. So it's a Cortex A8 ZT180 is a Cortex A8 best processor at a gigahertz. Eh, that's probably enough. It's the same as in the, in, in the most of the Android phones right now. So it'll run. It just may not run at 30 frames a second. Worth, worth uh, playing with at 120 bucks. Why not? There were, you know, you remember there were a lot of iPad clones that came out. They almost all ran Android uh, late last year. And I expect many more this year. In fact, now what we're going to start seeing is the uh, the big companies like Motorola with the Zoom come out with their versions of uh, of the iPad. S- Slate Droid. Ricky in the, uh, the chat room is telling me SlateDroid.com, S-L-A-T-E-D-R-O-I-D.com has a ROM for the ePad. Okay. Thank you for that tip. I guess it's a forum. It's an Android tablet forum. SlateDroid.com. Yeah, you know, Amazon uh, is, is, everybody says, coming up with an Android tablet. You could take the Barnes & Noble Color Nook and hack it, and it's a pretty capable Android tablet. We're seeing a lot of them. Uh, Google kind of threw a monkey wrench in this whole thing, though, uh, when they said just this week that they released the special version of Android for tablets. It's called Honeycomb. Too soon. They said we rushed it out so that Motorola could ship the Zoom. I had a feeling of that because I remember when I saw the Zoom at CES, Motorola wouldn't let you touch it. It was not ready. They The demo that they were showing was a video playing back on the Zoom. It wasn't an actual user interface. So, you know, clearly Google was working as fast as they could to get something. And, and, and Andy Rubin, who runs Android at Google, said, yeah... Yeah, we kind of rushed it. It wasn't very... We basically admitted they did a lousy job. And they said, eh, we're... Eh. So, I, you know, if you're looking for a tablet right now, iPad's it. Black. I did order a BlackBerry Playbook. They come out in a couple of weeks, and I'll have one in my hands, and I'll give you a review. That's running not on Android, but on a custom operating system that BlackBerry did based on QNX. So that's that's a real unknown. That's that's just a complete dark horse. Could be great. I don't know. I, I played with that one, and uh, I, I brought one to Regis and Kelly and showed it and played with it, and it was very impressive, very speedy. The Zoom, less impressed with. It's too expensive, and it's just, you know, if you want a tablet, get an iPad, for crying out loud. That's the one right now, and maybe later this year when uh, Google finally gets the kinks worked out of Honeycomb and uh, and some manufacturers can come up with some decent hardware, maybe then there will be a competitor. You know I love Android, and I'm rooting for it, but I'm not ready yet. Not ready yet. It's for people who want to mess around more than anything else. Manny, Des Moines, Iowa. Hi, Manny. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello, Leo. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Manny. Thanks for calling. Hey, listen, last time I, I saw you, you were on uh, Tech TV there putting together uh, a computer there with two processors way back when. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Tech TV, uh, the shows I did on Tech TV, Call for Help and the Screensavers, aired from 1998 to 2004. And uh, then the Tech TV got sold and turned into a gaming network, which is still around, called G4. 
Uh-huh. But I wasn't I wasn't part of that. Right. But listen, uh technology is constantly changing. Um right now I've got over 2.5 million miles of uh, concrete asphalt under my truck here and I'm seriously thinking about changing careers and going into computing. Well, Manny, hang on cuz that's a great question and I'll answer that when we come back. A computer computer career coming up. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. A woman done left, took all the reason I was working for. You better not try to stand in my way as I'm walking out the door. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Kyle, you trying to tell me something? Oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Manny's quitting his uh, truck driving job, so that's why we're playing it. It's not you, Kyle. Kyle's picking the music today. Hey, Leo. How you doing? <laughs> hey, Dick. Hold on a second. We'll be with you in just a second. Meanwhile, let's say hi to uh, Manny once again in Des Moines, Iowa. Truck driver who wants to take this job and shove it. Right, Manny? <laughs> Something like that. So uh, tell me, tell me what you're interested in doing. What do you like about? It? What part of computing do you like? Because there's all all sorts of different jobs. Well, I was going. I was thinking about uh, forensics, or uh, oh, that's a great field. So I was thinking, um, which would be the, uh, uh, the. Do you Do you have any law enforcement background at all? No, I don't. Unfortunately. So it's really two things that you'd be you'd be studying in forensics. One is law enforcement, and the other is computer forensics. But I'll tell you, I meet you know almost every police department now has at least one person who's doing computer forensics, and that is only going to grow. And uh, the the last time I talked to some computer forensics uh, people, uh, it was actually at CES. I I ran into one in a, in a hotel in a uh, elevator at the hotel. He said. Most of his work now is smartphones. There is so much information stored on that smartphone. And that's what the law enforcement, boy, they love these things because they can find out a lot. So I think that's a great field to get into, Manny, but I wouldn't have the first idea about where to start. You're, you're, in, you're into computers anyway, right? Right, right. I think that uh, what, you, what you, you probably could do, and this is the good news, is that online there's tons of resources. I'm sure there's a certification, but I, I don't know what that certification is. But I wouldn't start there anyway. You know, what my experience has been is, you know, it's not so hard to get the certification, but it doesn't mean you're an expert by any means. It just means you have a little piece of paper. Uh, what I would suggest is studying online as much as you can about computer security and forensics. Start with our uh, podcast. We have a great Security Now podcast. If you start listening to that in the truck as you're driving around, you you will be a wizard because we we, we talk about the deepest stuff in security. And then you can go from there, and there's plenty of online resources. Um, in fact, there are places where you can, you know, schools where you can learn this. But I'd say self self te- self teaching is the best best way to start right now, because if you do it yourself, you'll know if this is something you really like. You won't have spent any money, and you'll be a uh, you know you'll be a, a step ahead when you do start to get those those classes and uh, start looking for that certification. So, but I I have to I want to underscore great idea. 
that is a great field to get into right now. It is certainly a growth area. Hey, real quickly, before we get to Dick Bartolo, the gadget guru, he's here to talk about uh, a go- another great gadget. The, the Gizwiz joins us in a moment, Mad Magazine's maddest writer. Before we do talk about that, I'd very much like to mention my friends at Carbonite. Is that right, Kyle? Carbonite? Yeah, Carbonite is, of course, the backup system that I recommend. It's done right. It's automatic, so you don't have to think about it. It backs it up off-site to the cloud, so you can get it anytime, anywhere. Even if the worst happens, your data is always safe. And it's very affordable. It's $55 a year for unlimited data on your internal drive. That's That could be gigabytes worth of data. I want you to try it. Patricia Oglesby did. She said, we got a really bad virus. She sent us this email, and the computer guy couldn't save anything on the hard drive. He had to wipe it. And I'm thinking, boy, I hope I, I hope Carbonite works. I take it home, plug it in, push restore on the Carbonite website. Boom, it's all back. Everything in the right place. Carbonite just did all that, and I didn't have to think about it. Carbonite is very easy to use, and it was great. Please, I beg of you, before disaster strikes, try Carbonite. Go to Carbonite.com, use the offer code LEO. You could try it free for two weeks. If you decide you want to buy it, it's $55 a year. For a 12-month subscription, you'll get 14 months for the price of 12 if you use my name, Leo, when you buy. Mac or PC, you got to back it up to get it back, so do it right with Carbonite. Now it's time to say hello to my good friend, Dick D. Bartolo, Mad Magazine's maddest writer, and the Gizwiz. Hey, Dickie D. Leo, how you doing? I am wonderful. How are things at Disneyland? Uh, things are good. Thank you very much. Weather's finally coming around a little bit. Disneyland is uh, is on this little tiny island on the East Coast called, I, th- I think the Indians called it Manhattan? Yeah, Manhattan. 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 Uh, yeah. First at first it was Disneyland, and then they put these buildings around it, and they just kept adding more and more buildings until, wow. I was, yeah, I'm still the center of the universe in Manhattan. There actually are buildings. In fact, when I was there uh, last time visiting you, Dick, we yes. saw a giant building that is built around a little tiny place. Like the, the guy wouldn't sell. So oh yes, yes we were. Yes, we were going. Yes, we were going over to the restaurant. Yeah. And yes, it's a giant skyscraper. And right in the middle of the skyscraper is a little tiny building. <laughs> and the guy just said, "No, uh, my family's owned it for a hundred years. I'm not moving. You want to put up a building? Put yeah. it up around me." I ain't so they did. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. That's so funny. So what? Do you, Dick is has from for for like years been a crate gadget hound starting with like the first answering machines all the way up to the present. And every week he comes by that as we get ready for our show, which is called the weekly daily Gizwiz. You can figure out what that means. As we get ready for that show, he comes by a little early to bring us a gadget, something maybe that we'll talk about this week or maybe not. What, what do you got today? Yeah. Well, uh, this is something that, uh, let's see, I, I lent you my uh, jam box. I love that. By the way, everybody, okay. I talked to Steve Martin last week. He's got one. He loves it. Well, you probably want next oh, no. the, because the jam box is Bluetooth. Yeah. Now I have the iGrill, and the iGrill is also Bluetooth enabled, <laughs> but you don't stick this in your ear or it'll be very painful. <laughs> <laughs> what is because the iGrill? The, the iGrill is a Bluetooth enabled thermometer for your barbecue or your oven if you want and it comes with a stainless steel probe so the probe goes into the barbecue and and you have a barbecue i remember i you. love barbecuing yeah 
you did it as one of your turn the table Tuesdays. It was one so with gadgets, the iGrill, yeah. you can stay with your company. It has a, a long range Bluetooth, so it's up to 200 feet. So you bring up the app on your iPhone, your iPad, or your iTouch, and you can watch the temperature on the screen. You set it for the amount of doneness you want. And you just keep looking down. It'll buzz when it's oh, when the is meat the is done. Oh, this is the silliest thing I have ever heard of. <laughs> and wait a minute there. But wait, there's more. There's more? There's more. It's about $100. But if you want to buy the deluxe version for $115, you get two probes. Ooh, can I measure two so, meats? Yes, if you're cooking two different kinds of meat. Really? Simultaneously? Simu uh, yes. No, just at the same time. Oh, simultaneously, <laughs> simultaneously would be really pushing would, technology yeah. to the limit. <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, I thought this was such a such a gimmick. Uh, we saw it at MacWorld Expo. Of course, Alex Lindsay, who's a Mac fanatic, bought one to work with oh, his iPhone, so and he loves it. Yeah. The, did he get the new one? The, the the white one is out, and the the black version just came out. So See, Apple, some even Apple couldn't get a white one, a white iPhone, but but no, iGrill's got a white iGrill and a black. Yeah, one. yeah, and, and, you, and, and, and a you, black one too. And so if you you need an iPhone, this makes no sense. <laughs> that or iPad or or iPod Touch. Oh, okay. You need Any of the iFamilies for one hundred fifteen bucks with the two pro with the two probes under a hundred with one probe. Hey, the other day I, I went to Whole Paycheck, which is our local uh, organic food store, and right. I bought two ribeye steaks. And you spent your whole paycheck? $50. So $115. Bucks. If you're a serious, I couldn't believe it. I was like, <laughs> my son said he wanted steak. So I thought, oh, I'll get a nice organic $25 a steak. I could have gone to Morton's for that. Ah. It was I good. think you should just ship your son off to college. College, college would be cheaper. Peace Corps. <laughs> yes. Dickie D is at gizwiz.biz. That's his website, G-I-Z-W-I-Z -I -Z dot B-I-Z. You go there and you can play his What the Heck Is It contest for a chance to win an autographed copy of Mad Magazine. And, of course, there's notes about all the gidget, gidgets and gadgets that he talks about on uh, his and podcast. Gizmos, too. Gizmos, too. You can, find, you can listen to his podcast at TWIT.TV. Twit is the podcast network TV slash DGW. It should really be WDGW, but we just, it's too complicated. We can't figure out how to and, change and, it. And yeah. And who cares? <laughs> Twit.tv. Hey, thank you, Dick. Thank you all for being here. I'm going to go off and record a couple of shows with Dick, but uh, I'll be back tomorrow to talk more about this modern world we live in of technology and gadgets and gizmos and, uh, and maybe help you with your computer stuff too. I am Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Our website, techguylabs.com. Thanks to James DeRuvo for keeping the show notes. Kyle, thanks for keeping the music flowing. Is it Was it Aaron in the uh, in the control booth answering the phones? Thank you, Aaron. Lorena. Thank you, Lorena. Leo Laporte. Miranda. Whoever. Thank you. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs>